It's the Super 90s Brothers! Wilson and lions are bad. That's just the beginning. I've seen things you've only seen in your nightmares. Things you can't even imagine. Things you can't even see. There are things that hunt you in the night. Then something screams. Then you hear them eating. And you hope to God that you're not deserted. Afraid? You don't even know what afraid is. You will not last five minutes without me. Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. Ow! Where we do hazy memory riffs on the most bumping decade ever. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today we're talking about Jumanji. Ow! Oh, man. It's November, Adam. Yep. And it's cold in Spokane. <laughs> my dog is coughing in the background jasmine it's, it's more of, it's more of it, a jest jasmine. against your weather talk <laughs> jumanji good quote don't you think good opening like robin williams could always channel this dark shit when he really wanted to i wonder why yeah <laughs> if, only, if only we've seen the signs um well how, how have you been dude it's good. Good to be back. Podcasting with you has been a couple weeks. It has been a couple weeks, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to jump into this. I actually the preface I I was able to watch this movie with my children. I got to introduce Jumanji to my children. They were very confused because The Rock wasn't in it, and I was like, "Oh, there is there is another Jumanji that has The Rock and you know Kevin Hart and Jack Black in it." Um, so you showed them this Jumanji and they asked, where's the rock? Yes. Oh my God. That hurts my soul. <laughs> that's, that's a world we live in. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Can you smell? <laughs> um, but yeah, well, uh, before we get into it, why don't we, well, I'm just going to say, if you're listening to the show, you like the show, you've been listening to it a while, go to iTunes and give us those five-star reviews. What else what, what else can they be doing, Adam? Well, they should email us at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. So if they have a comment or a question or a criticism or a compliment about my face, mm. um, any compliments about me are fine. Any criticism about Brennan are fine. You can follow us on Twitter at super90sbros. Brennan's at Spocast Pods with a K. I'm at adampitzler.com. Check out our shit. Give us the likes and shares and all that jazz. That's the social media currency we want. Yeah. And uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you all for listening. I, I want to shout out um, a couple episodes ago, we had a uh, our friend Andrew. He had um, he we did uh, Happy Gilmore. He asked us to do Happy Gilmore, and uh, he said he really enjoyed uh, listening to the show. So uh, thank you for uh, re reaching out, Andrew. Yeah, but, Andrew's a cool guy. Yeah, uh, we like Andrew. More people should be like Andrew. If you if Andrew subscribes to if Andrew has a newsletter, we want you all to subscribe to it. Do people still have newsletters? I hope so. I mean, Andrew should have one. He'd have two followers right now. Me and you. Mm. Do you have a newsletter? No, God, no. I'm I'm above that. <laughs> Do you have a blog? <laughs> Do you have a blog, Adam? That I don't know about. Maybe you have a no, blog. I used to have a kick-ass blog on MySpace and uh, lots of followers, honestly. And uh, when we when they went to Facebook, there was like no blogs. I was like, okay, so this is the social media platform where people don't like to read. Got it. <laughs> well, and and that proved true. Seems about right. Don't yeah. just read headlines and then yeah. just make you know make your own opinions on that headline. Yeah, um, off topic. MySpace was so much fucking better than Facebook. Oh my god, I may have I may have said this on the show, but like nobody's parents were on MySpace, and that's why it was better. I, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day too. I I loved MySpace. Loved how you could just like put whatever song you were loving at the time in your like. It would just play when someone came to your page. You could rank your friends. Like who? yeah, somebody pissed you off. They were out of your top eight. Fuck yes, them. you had a top eight. I, I was I was a top five. I think. No, the the default was a top eight, I believe. Oh, okay. Then you could you could make MySpace had all these crazy like 
codes that you could like change your page and change it to top five or top 20 or whatever. But top eight was the original, the OG. That's true. We need to get back to that type of social media where you can have like your own little landing page where it just like, it just shows who you are. I like that. Yeah, much more personal. Anyway, so back to the movie. This movie debuted December 15th, 1995, the year of our Lord, the best year of the Mariners, Seattle Mariners. And uh, yeah, do you do you remember? Do you remember much about Christmas 1995? First of all, man, I wish I did. I, I but not really. No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna help you set the scene and remember what it's like to be at that time. It's the tunes of the time. Oh yeah, tunes of the time. Yeah. So mm. I want you all to travel back in time for a moment. Picture yourself. It's December 1995. You're in your family's old car on the way to the movies. And the radio starts playing. You and your homies might be lying and chalk. I really hate the trip, but I gotta lope. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of cheater little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. That was Gangster's Paradise by Coolio featuring LV. Ow. Wow. That was a that was a that was a throwback. That song's good. That is a good song. The the song's great. The the weird thing about going back and watching this video is that Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. <laughs> like this was the this was the song for that stupid movie she was in. What was it called? Dangerous Minds. Oh, that movie was so so cliche that's such a cliche story um like there, it was the exact same movie as the substitute with tom berenger except it was like hot blonde instead of tom berenger oh that's such that's very true yeah so so in the video coolio's in there and he's gangster rapping and, and he and like suddenly michelle pfeiffer emerges from the shadows and she approaches coolio like he's the godfather and she look like the whole video she looks like she wants to beat him up like the whole video, they're just looking at each other, and she looks pissed off at Coolio. She looks like angry white lady. It, it, it's very weird. And then, yeah, she sits down in a chair. Ba- she sits down in a chair backwards for one, and then like yeah, doesn't Coolio? She just, he, she just starts. He just starts rapping at her, and then yeah, and she yeah. just sits there like looking at him sternly. Like I'm I'm a white lady, and I don't like rap. That's that's like how it reads. I mean, that's not the plot of the movie, but like when you watch the video, you're like, does this lady hate rap? Yeah, that's that's what I I never understood. I, and I and I didn't see Dangerous Minds until later in like probably when it came out on VHS. But yeah, I do have one really weird memory about this. I remember calling into our local radio station when I was like, so I was pro- I think I was in sixth grade at the time, and I definitely called in to get this song to request this song. But like, I didn't need to do that because the song was play it every other minute because they play it like every te- like every 15 minutes <laughs> but <laughs> i um, bet the other people like listed were like oh the idiot they're gonna play it anyway <laughs> but yeah this was this was like this is you know brennan at the moment i, I loved hip-hop and r&b and this you know this really sang true to me you know i was really you know living in a gangster's paradise at the time living in a suburb eastern washington 94% Caucasian, Spokane, Washington, 11-year-old Brennan, total gangsta. It was probably closer to 98% back then. Um, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, so this video has 784 million views on their official YouTube. That's a lot of fucking views. That's a lot of views. That's, that's close to a billion views. That's three quarters of a billion views. That actually might be up there in one of the most viewed videos of all time. When you know when you like talk about like the level, like that's a, a when you get to the billion mark in... Um, YouTube, that's when you're you're really starting to you're that's like you're starting to make history. So it's such a bad video though. Like the song's good, but the video's stupid. It's a nostalgia, Adam. You know, people like to go back and watch those videos and remember how stupid it was. Well, it was the number five song at the time that our topic movie came out. But before we get to that, I wanted to give a little homage to another great 90s staple. And uh, Brennan, if you get the cue, cue the drop ready, you know, we'll just we'll let him speak for himself.
in the butt last week I just smiled at him and I turned the other cheek I really don't care, in fact I wish him well Cause I'll be laughing my head off when he's burning in hell But I ain't never punched Oh man, that was Weird Al Amish Paradise in um, the, you know what? In the late 80s, early 90s, you hadn't made it unless Weird Al did a parody song. That's that's true. You know what? This is another funny story about this song. This was probably kind of my intro to Weird Al. Like, I don't think I really knew much about Weird Al at the time. Like, I know he was, like, around on, like, MTV. I don't think MTV played much of his stuff. I think it came on every once in a while. But, like, this really, like, for whatever reason, I I remember this song vividly when it came out and actually the chorus of this song of his song is a lot better than coolio's <laughs> um, no this song this song is funny it's clever i mean weird al's so good at at working good lyrics into popular songs like and he's just i don't know he's really good at it i was like i was kind of a weird al fanboy at this time like mm. just a little bit younger than this i got into him i wrote him a letter once asking if i could be his sidekick and my sidekick name was going to be like psycho aj something like that and i don't know why it's <laughs> stupid and uh i like sent him some lyrics and like you like people that listen to the show they know i'm a writer and mm. i love parody songs in fact um if you listen to our nightmare before christmas episode i i like dropped some rhymes of a parody song i did that i had a play in new york for um so it's like i'm into it and weird al got me into it he's like he's awesome he's so talented he really is uh i if for those podcast listeners if you're listening as you're you're a podcast listener go listen to uh weird al on conan o'brien needs a friend it's a really good interview well let's hop into it adam let's let's get let's into hop. the world of jumanji ow so, um, yeah, so Jumanji, Robin Williams, Christmas movie, 1995. I saw it in the theaters. Do you remember seeing it in theaters? Oh, I remember seeing it in the theaters. I have a story about seeing it in the theaters. Um, Tell me yours. My story about seeing the theaters is I actually didn't see this movie until January of 1996. Um, I, it was actually my birthday. I went and saw it. Um, for my birthday with my one friend and went to dinner after the movie and went to, um, we have this place in tomato brothers or tomato street, whatever it's called now. And, uh, went there and had a little birthday party with my family and my one friend. And, uh, I think I got Jumanji, the Jumanji book as like a present, which is kind of weird for a sixth grader to get. Cause it's like, definitely not a, it's not a, it's a, it's a picture book. I mean, it's a Chris found Alsberg. And, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember, but like, I, what I remember about it most is that I went and saw this movie with this one person. Cause I apparently I didn't have, I did, my parents did this thing where I, I never had like a, a, a birthday party where I had a lot of people there. It was always just like a couple of friends, like two or three or four. It was never like 10 kids coming over, but now looking back, I don't think I could have ever got 10 kids to my birthday party. Which, oh, that's not true. Kids love coming to birthday parties. Well, you invite kids that are just like your casual friends. That's true. But, you know, I never did that. And I went, I had a um, a day with my, my, my family and my one friend. So who's the one friend? Oh my gosh. You're going to, you're going to know who it is when I say his name. His, uh, his, his name was uh, Nathan. His name is Nathan Z. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. Did you invite other friends too? And they just said no. No, it was probably the kind of thing where my parents just like said, "Hey, you get to have one friend um, to come with you out, go, go see a movie with us, go to di dinner." Um, we probably actually went to Toys R Us too. I, my parents did this thing called Brin Day for my birthday, like where I would. It was just like a day. <laughs> it was a day for me. <laughs> That's such a stupid word, Brin Day. <laughs> <laughs> good one judy uh but i got to like a, a full day of whatever i wanted to do so i went and saw a movie i went and the dinner i went to toys r us and probably picked out a video game uh it was 1996 i hadn't got a 64 yet so i probably got some super nintendo game who knows um but yeah i, I remember seeing this movie in the theater so. did you like it of course yeah this was i mean it was it was adventurous. It was Robin Williams, who didn't love Robin Williams at the time. I mean, he was probably one of the biggest actors at the moment. Um, and I thought this was kind of a weird role for him, actually. Yeah, that, that it's true. I mean, it could this role could have been played by probably a the dozen Rock. other dozen other actors. The um, Rock, The Rock, exactly. Um, Just kidding. I hate the Rock. The Young Rock, but uh, 
I love Chris Van Alsberg. He's the writer. He wrote the, sh- the short story, the, the picture book, um, Illustrator 2. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I read all these books that he had. And it was really cool that this children's book was getting made into a movie. And, you know, like children's books are very short. So, like, there's not much of a story to tell. And so, like, to see them make it into a, to bring it to a, like, a into, into a movie, like, it was exciting for a kid. So you were aware of the writer and the children's book prior to the movie? Yeah, I really love children's books and like just books in general when I was a kid. I had a ton of them and I had a, I really loved looking at pictures when I was a kid. Like uh there was all the there was also like I mean I love where was Waldo like remember those books like Animalia like where it was like picture and it was just like a bunch of things hidden in it but yeah, it was like just, in Highlight magazine. I, I don't Find know. The 12 weasels or whatever. There was something about Chris Van Ellsberg's books too that I just I found enchanting as a child. Like, I don't mean this. I do mean it negatively. The stupid kids always went and got the where's Waldo and the seek and find books at like the like library time in like third grade. That's what I remember. It's like the kids that couldn't read, they would go seek out the picture books. (laughs) (laughs) That's I, 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 to be completely honest, Adam, I was a very slow reader as a kid. Like, see, you couldn't read. No, I couldn't read up until a point. Like, and then one year I, then one, then it just kind of hit me when I was like in fourth grade and I could just read everything. But yeah, I, I liked, I liked art in the books. Maybe that's why I'm a, became a graphic designer is because I liked visuals of, you know, of, of stories. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with liking pictures. There's nothing wrong with liking picture books. No, no, that's not that. It's just like in my experience, it was like the kids that couldn't read. And you know who those kids are. You have to read aloud in class all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be like, good, 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 good morning. Those kids like the happy, the Billy Madison thing. Whenever it was quick aside, whenever we had a substitute and I had to read, I would always pretend to be one of those kids. I would pretend like I couldn't read. That's funny. Yeah. So I went and saw Jumanji in the theater. I don't remember if it was December or January, but I remember... I remember my teacher, Ms. Diak, in sixth grade, asked if anybody had seen the movie in our class. And I, like, raised my hand. And she asked me if it was too scary to take, like, a kid that was, like, two years younger than me. And I remember, like, rolling my eyes. and be Like, no. But, like, keep in mind, like, the kind of shit I grew up watching, right? Right. And, like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I thought Jumanji was, like, a kid's movie, you know? And mm. it, it pretty much is. There's a couple cool stuff in there and like you know aggressive scenes but yeah like it's pretty much a kid's movie anyway and like miss diak after christmas break she told me that it was like too much for the kids that she took and they had to leave and i remember thinking they were such wimps yeah that's funny i mean the movie now i mean like kids much younger see much worse now obviously and lincoln ivy didn't i mean they're six and they did not there was not anything that really scared them at all i, I mean honestly it might be because of the 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 cgi in it the cgi is not that great and it kind of doesn't look very real anymore. I think, it, I think there's there's a couple shots with like the lion that kind of mm. look kind of creepy. Yeah. And, and maybe a few other quick shots. But for the most part, it's like it's not a scary movie. And it's like anyway. So um, now now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Brennan's bad synopsis. Ow. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm I think I can get this one, Adam. I think I can do this bad synopsis pretty well. But we'll see. I'll count on you to fall on your face. So, movie sets out. The first scene kind of sets a scene. Two boys are running through the forest, and they are they have this big trunk, and it, it has Jumanji in it, and so they go bury it. And so this is like in the, I'm guessing the 1800s or late, early 1900s, and so they hide it underground because they've played Jumanji, and they've suffered the, the, the game and the, whatever happened in it. And so they bury it. And then fast forward to 1969, um, and our our main character Alan Parrish is he's a, a he's a young boy. I would say like maybe 12 years old, 12 in that early like teens. Our age. He was like our age. Our age. Yeah, we were oh. when we saw this movie. Oh we yeah, like, like probably yeah, probably like sixth grade. And it sets the scene that Alan Parrish is like very well to do in this in the city that he lives in uh his grandfather was like a a general his dad owns a shoe company and but he's also bullied by all the kids because i because he's because he's rich and he's 
I guess kind of maybe kind of weird. I don't know. Um, but they just make fun of him. And But he finds this trunk that was buried underground. And he pulls it out. And he finds Jumanji. And he takes it. And then he goes home. And his parents are leaving for like a party that night. And they leave him at home. He opens a game. And I think he accidentally rolls the dice because there's a knock at the door. And the knock at the door is his friend slash Love interest. Uh, I'm not forget what her name is. Bonnie uh, Ju- Hunt. Is it, is it Judy? Is it not? I don't know. Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Uh, anyways, and she's there to apologize for her boyfriend beating up Peter earlier in the day and brings his so, bike back. It's so demoralizing, by the way. The girl that you like, her boyfriend kicks your ass, and then she comes over to say, "I'm sorry, my boyfriend kicked your ass." Right. That is that is demoralizing, <laughs> and, and, and and I think it also is like I think Peter also has a crush on on her as well. Yeah, he does. He does. Yes, and her name is Judy, and my mom's name is Judy. That's why it's familiar. And so he and somehow she comes in and they start playing this Jumanji, and he kind of convinces her to play. Really quickly, they like shit starts happening, and I think like some mosquitoes come out. Peter rolls, and then he disappears into the game, freaking out Judy runs away, and then fast forward again to 1995, uh, 1996, something like that. Now we're back in the house, and now there's two young kids, Kristen Dunst and a little boy and and stepmom, or it's not stepmom, but um, aunt. And they're moving into Alan's old house. They discover Jumanji uh, upstairs in the attic. They've been told that the house that they live in is haunted because... Peter was killed by his parents, and which obviously isn't true. They start playing the game, in the, and then I think the boy rolls a five. And in the beginning of the movie, it says like the little setup for when Peter goes into the into Jumanji, he has Alan. to roll Alan. They have to roll a five for Alan to get back into the game, and so Alan gets back. Now he's grown up. It's been twenty five years, and five or nine to release Alan from Jumanji jail. <laughs> That's what happens. They and then they start playing, but then they have to bring back Judy to play play the game as well. She's also it's twenty six later. They have to find her, and they find her, and then they they start playing the game. Jumanji stuff ensues. A bunch of lions, tigers, elephants, stampedes. A a hunter from within the game that's also Alan's father, in some way. <laughs> and then they they play Jumanji. They finish the game, and then everything reverses back to 1969, and then that's the, that's the end of the movie. That's really I mean that's the end. That's that's, re- it. that's it. I mean, there's not really anything that happens when they're playing the game. That's really it's where all the action happens. But like, there's not much to the story. It, it's just Alan and them kind of talking about finishing the game, and then there's other characters that pop in and out. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. They play a board game. Yeah. The beginning of the movie sets it up really well. And then like, it's just like 45 minutes of like playing a game and then the game's over. And then they fast forward to like whatever spoiler alert. Uh, they fast forward back to 1995 and Alan is now, now he now runs his father's shoe company and he gets the other, the kid's parents to come and work for him and then they don't die. And so he uh, ends up, so that's kind of a, little bit of butterfly effect right there. That was long and kind of boring. It just sounds, when you say it out loud like that, it sounds like a shitty movie. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good, <laughs> when, no. When you lay it out like that. I, I And uh, I mean, I guess the plot is really simple. They're just playing a board game. Well, I mean, the, it's based off a children's book, literally. So like in the the children's book takes place over one afternoon. They had to, they had to spice it up a little bit to make it... Um, Interesting. I always thought it was strange how they, I guess they did this maybe because they didn't want to have it have to have like the movie be led by children, which is always tough in movies. And so they made the children grow up and become adults. But yeah, like, it, it, yeah, it, you know, if, if it's just kids, people over a certain age won't be interested in watching it. Yeah. If you, if you cast Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt as the leads, you get, you get more people going to see your movie. I think it's, I think that's all it is. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get into the characters. We we obviously our main character, Alan Parrish. Hey, let let me ahead. do this one. Yeah. Um. So so Robin Williams plays Alan, and I mentioned earlier that I think this is kind of an odd role for him. Um. I think the big thing he had just done was Mrs. Doubtfire in 1994. 
like the casting choices of this movie. And I'm, let me for the main role in Jumanji. Tom Michael Keaton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Dreyfus, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Klein, Brian Cranston, Dan Aykroyd, Chris Penn, excuse me, Sean Penn, and Bill Paxton. Wow. That's the list. Do you know of those... 10 or whoever like if any of them were like strongly considered or were or was it always robin williams usually if it if it means they were considered it it usually means they were like discussed and and like they they were going to offer them the role of contract terms to be met but it didn't work out for scheduling or money or whatever and so when i read this list it kind of seems like robin williams was like the 11th choice <laughs> i disagree with that no way yeah, I think he was had to was, be he had to be top three out of that list. I would say the probably the the if, let, let me let me play out the logistics. Yeah, of that. I would love if to do that. Your, if he's your third choice, yeah, and you strike out on Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis, we'll say, yeah, and you go to Robin Williams, then you execute Robin Williams. Then there's no consideration for the other seven. That's how, that's why I think there must they must have been offered the role first. Otherwise, why would they be in consideration if he, if Robin Williams is your third choice? Yeah, I there's probably some good research into this, but I, I uh, that I we're not going to do right now. But yeah, I that's that's a good point. I mean, I mean, I think Cranston doesn't make sense because Brian Cranston was not even he wasn't famous famous at all yet. Famous at all yet. Um, this would have totally changed his career had he been cast. But like but he, everyone respected Brian Cranston at the time. Like he was, he was a really funny character actor. Malcolm Middle was like his big break. But had, Malcolm in the Middle wasn't out yet. I know. Oh, but yes. he was a well-respected character actor gotcha. leading up to that. Gotcha. I think the only one that makes sense would be the one that makes the most sense to me is Tom Hanks, and I actually think this movie could have been a lot more believable and better had it been Tom Hanks. Bruce Willis would have been a different movie. It also, would have made sense. But like, and maybe Michael Keaton. Make Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah, he. I mean. He's my he'd be my top five on this, but everyone else is like, I mean, Schwarzenegger doesn't make sense. No, for Richard Dreyfus, that's lame. Lame Harrison Ford doesn't make Harrison sense. Harrison Ford, lame Connery makes Con- zero sense. Connery, too old. Yeah, Ale- Alec Baldwin, mm. that'd be fine. Kevin, Cl- Kevin Klein, probably be fine. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Dan Aykroyd, awful, awful yeah. choice. Chris. Chris or Sean Penn, not sure which one. It's Sean Penn. It's not Chris. <laughs> Probably not Chris, but I, since I didn't specify and I don't remember, we're going to include him. Um, so anyway, uh, it's Robin Williams. Let's get over that. Yeah. Robin Williams had just done Mrs. Doubtfire. He did the movie Hook a few years earlier than that. Big blockbuster hit again. Yeah. He did the movie Toys. He's most famous for his show Mork and Mindy, um, or originally famous, I should yeah. say. And that popular 80s movie Good Morning Vietnam, very quotable. He play, Brennan said he's the he's the son of a shoe tycoon and he's like the ugly kid and he gets beat up for being ugly as it sh- as it should be. Um, and when he's playing the game, he rolls. I don't know. It's, it's like the equivalent of rolling snake eyes. He gets sent to Jumanji jail. Yeah, it's like you have to go to the jungle until somebody rolls a five or a nine. Mm-hmm. And then like everyone quits the fucking game. And so he's just stuck there for 26 years, wiping his ass with banana leaves <laughs> and uh, Anyway, when he, he comes back, he gets a second chance to finish the game and a second chance to nail the blonde next door, Bonnie Hunt. And uh, we have a clip from him getting beat up as an ugly little kid. Just because you're parish doesn't mean you can hang around with my girlfriend. We're just friends. Not anymore. Get him! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, poor, poor Alan. His dad actually like told him to basically go do that too. Like you got to stand His up. Dad told him to stand up for himself. You need to stand up for yourself. Yeah, stand up to yourself for in, to six children who are gonna beat you up. You know what? You know the truth is about bullies. You 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 fight back and then they'll leave you alone after that. That's true. Um, they want people that don't fight back. Yeah, punch the kid in the gut once when he like basically grabbed me by the neck and never mess with me again. So I'm talking about, yeah, you, you stood up to him, but I mean, Alan was an ugly little kid and he was hanging around with main kids, girlfriend. I don't care if you're just friends. Like I don't like, like if I'm that kid, I'm beating that kid. Oh, up. for sure. I'm hanging out with my girlfriend. So, yeah. So, yeah. Don't do that. That's a good rich shoe boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. The next character kind of, we kind of talk about is uh Judy, Bonnie hunt. She is, well, she's basically just 
she gets traumatized and she becomes like a, she gets traumatized because Alan disappears and, and she watched it happen. And I, I don't know what happened. I, w- I want to know what transpires like after the events of like, where did the, like his parents, like, where did she go? Like, where did he go? Like, where, what's going on? Like, where was she at in all this saying like, I watched him go into a video game. And like, I think that's probably what happened is like, no one believed her or a video game into a board game. It's, she's an interesting character when she grows up to be a, an adult. And Bonnie Hunt is like... She's like all fucked up. She's yeah, she's like, all fucked up. You meet her and she's like in therapy. She's in therapy and she's also like... She's a um, medium or she's a... Uh, she's, what's a I, wouldn't say, I, can't, I don't want to say fortune teller, but I think she's basically a fortune teller. Um, is she legit or is she bullshit in the movie? I have no idea. They never they never really talk about that. She just, I thought she was bullshit. Like I thought... She it shows her tricking people, like not actually channeling anything. That might be true. I but I don't I don't remember that. All I remember the the one thing I will say is that when we meet Bonnie Hunt, the older version of Judy, the like basically these kids show up at the door saying like we need you to play a game. Here's this guy who disappeared twenty plus years ago. Now let's play. And she's like, game. Like I don't even get it. Like there's no like. Yeah. It's the biggest plot hole in the movie. There doesn't seem to be any incentive for Robin Williams or Bonnie Hunt to keep playing this game. It's like literally one of them just got trapped in the jungle for 26 years. Now they're out and they want to keep playing because there's some monkeys running around town. Go fucking get a rifle, take out the monkeys and put the fucking board game away. There's better ways to solve the monkey problem. Yeah, it, that's a, they could have just left it alone, but they didn't do that. It's a plot hole. It's but a, there was something else at the time. I think there was, I think they had let loose those nasty mosquitoes or something like. Yeah. The filmmakers were trying to like incentivize or make it, make it make sense for these people to want to finish the game. And I don't, I don't know that anybody bought it. I think it's, it's the one thing you kind of got to get over when you're watching this movie is like, why would they keep playing? This is stupid. Yeah. To get back into Bonnie Hunt's career. She's at the time, like. I really only knew her knew her from being the mom in Beethoven, but yeah, yeah but she's also done a lot of voice acting, uh, Bugs Life. Don't forget, she was also the mom in Beethoven's second. <laughs> and <laughs> and she was in Green Mile. Uh, maybe I don't remember. Was she uh, Tom Hanks' wife? I she, I've never seen Green Mile, so I that. Oh really? Yeah, Green Mile's good. I b- believe it. I but I've never seen it. But yeah, she's she's just kind of she's been around for a really long time, and uh, always really liked her. Why don't you go? Why, why are you getting the most famous actor or the current well, most? What do you? What do you? What do you got? Well, Kurt, did you say that Kirstie Alley was also considered for Bonnie Hunt's oh, role? I'm sorry, I did not this say that. The, this was like sort of at the the end of Cheers. Cheers have been over a few years, and um, actually, Frasier was on at this point. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute because we have a Frasier character in this. But uh, Kirstie Alley still kind of famous, kind of riding the Cheers waves for a couple years in the mid '90s. She was doing awesome movies like It Takes Two with the Olsen twins. <laughs> um, you know what? I feel like uh, Kirstie Alley would have been a better choice for this role at the time. Like she was probably much a, a much more bookable actress at the time, and she would have brought a level of like comedy to it that I just don't think Bonnie Hunt really did. I um, think Bonnie Hunt's funny. I just don't think this character is very funny. I think this character kind of, yeah, is a little bit lame. They could have done, yeah. they could have done a better job with this character. I think Bonnie Hunt's actually pretty funny comedian though. Um, I- anyway, so Kirstie Alley doesn't get it. Bonnie Hunt gets it. Then there's the kids. And first of all, I'll mention there's like a little boy and he's like, he turns into a monkey at some point. And so I always remember him as the little monkey boy. And I, I read that he had to go through three hours of, prosthetics every day on set to become a monkey which is just shitty like if you're if that means you got to get there at like 5 a.m and sit in a chair while like makeup people like apply spirit gum and all kinds of shit to you and your your face just goes through all kinds of like uh rashes and it's dry and it's, it's just awful that kind of shit is just awful and that kid had the worst he drew the worst lot is my point mm. nobody else had to do that that's true and then the girl the main little girl was played by you know, I think Brennan said probably the most famous at this point, Kirsten Dunst. She had done um, Interview with a Vampire. Mm. That's what that's what I remember. <laughs> she had done Interview with Vampire a few years earlier, and she was great in that as a really young actress. Yeah, like, she played like, as a as a like a little girl. She was awesome in Interview with a Vampire. And then I I found out that Scarlett Johansson was considered for Kirsten Dunst's role. Oh man, I I like that. What if? 
I love I love Scarlett Johansson, and I that might have been a better choice. <laughs> uh, what was Scarlett Johansson's first movie that you remember? I remember there was like this weird movie with like uh, Tony Soprano or Robert Redford, maybe. Was or, she in like? Um, I mean, was it uh, all the pretty horses? Is that like the? Uh, I didn't see that. I mean, that was. I feel like that was like one of her first movies that she was in. Uh, like that was she was most famous for. I'm going through her IMDb. Um, she was in the man. She was in North. The man who wasn't there. She was in the Horse Whisperer and the man who wasn't there. She was in that the Horse Whisperer okay. in 1998. Um, and the man who wasn't there. That was like 2001. At the same time, it was like Ghost World. So like this actually would have been like one of her first movies um, had she been cast. Um, so Yeah, but she wasn't. They chose Kirsten Dunst, who did a good job. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst is a good actress. Um, so anyway, uh, Bonnie Hunt is like traumatized from Alan's disappearance. And uh, she, Kirsten Dunst was also in Wag the Dog and Small Soldiers in the movie Greedy. Um, Greedy She's she has a tiny little role in Greedy. Greedy is such a funny, underrated 90s comedy starring Michael J. Fox and Kirk Douglas. And it's essentially about this like there's this this guy and he's like he's really, really rich and he's about to die. And all of his like children and grandchildren and great grandchildren, they're all these like pathetic leeches hanging around him, like pretending to like him and being sycophants so that they he like theoretically leaves them more money in his will. But the rich guy like sees through all of it, and there it's it's a really good underrated comedy that like nobody's ever seen. Yeah, like um, isn't like Phil Hartman's in it. Yeah, um, Phil Hartman's in it. Ed Begley Jr.'s yeah. in it. Yeah, Olivia Diobo. I don't think I said her last name right. Yeah, but I think it's yeah from Wonder Years. From yeah, Wonder Years, she's yeah. like the hot young girl in it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. I love Greedy. <laughs> um, so anyway, the kids stumble into the new board game uh, in their new home. Their parents are dead, and they live with like uh, Lilith from Frasier. And I guess it's their aunt. You know, the, the actress that plays Lilith, yeah, B.B. Newworth, mm-hmm. she's actually really pretty. They just made her so cold and callous and pale and Frasier, you'd like never know it. Yeah, it, it is funny. I mean, I've she like is one of those actresses that kind of pops up in movies, like in little roles. And I actually don't, I mean, I know her from other things, but I have never seen her in Frasier. Frasier. So like the fact that you're bringing up Frasier is like, I would bring her up in a different movie. <laughs> so uh, David Allen Greer's in the movie. He was, um, he had done in living color check out our in living color podcast. And he had also done the movie city slickers a few years earlier. And then Jonathan Hyde plays the dad. He plays Robin Williams, dad. And he plays the hunter in this movie. And uh, he was, he was the Butler and Richie rich. And he was the nature show host and Anaconda, which we always talk about. And we should do one day. Yeah. But, um, the, the point of the the, mo- the real part of the story is they keep rolling the dice, playing Jumanji, and fucked up shit keeps happening. And here's one of them. This will not be an easy mission. Monkeys slow the expedition. Sorry, I probably didn't need all that extra monk, monkey monkey chatter. <laughs> yeah. So the monkeys, I mean, they treat the monkeys like they're this threat, but they're just little shitheads. They like come around and they like break pots and pans and throw shit at you. And they're, I don't know, they're just little mischievous guys. Yeah. And they, they like fuck up their kitchen. Well, they start throwing knives and I think that's what made them kind of dangerous. And they also can communicate at a, a much higher level than... Uh, than regular monkeys can. They can like get and form a line and things like that. But uh, this was a good example of bad CGI. I thought the monkeys looked ridiculous in the movie. Like they just look, they just don't You're look like monkeys. That, but you just watched it in 2021. That's so true. People did not feel that way in 1995. I don't know. No one thought it looked real, but that, it, looked, that's, that's good. it was some of the better CGI we'd seen at the time. I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was like kind of started, like that was before they, got Alan back into the game and the, like that kind of like starts the rest of the movie. Yeah. So the two roles are monkeys and those, are they wasps or mosquitoes that the girl rolls? Uh, they're like 
mis- they're like wasps. I mean, they're like, I don't know. They're like mosquitoes or I forget what the, the, the clue or the was, but like they basically they have needles in their like, like mosquito noses and they can puncture you. And if you get punctured by them, you'll, you die or get passed out. Okay. Um, so we'll call them, we'll call them wasps and monkeys. So there's wasps and monkeys in the town. And there's only like three wasps. If I remember right, there's like not very many of them. And they decide they have to play the, keep playing the game. We have to risk being trapped in the jungle for another 26 years so that we can rid our, this one house of monkeys in the kitchen and three wasps running around. Like it's a, that's a bad trade. <laughs> Go kill the monkeys and the wasps. How hard could it be? I guess ultimately that was the uh, why they that was their motivation for finishing the game is so they could so the house could go back to normal. But yeah, which doesn't make any which sense doesn't make to any Bonnie sense. Hunter, Robin Williams. Like, why do they give a fuck? Yeah, you know that's true. Um, so back to David Allen Greer. He he's kind of some comedy relief in it. He's a shoe. He was a shoe man. Before before Alan fucked up his his Air Jordans before Air Jordans were a thing, his Air Wilt Chamberlains, which we'll get to. So he was a shoe man turned cop. And the, the thing that everybody likes about David Allen Greer is, is a really good screamer. And uh, we're going to play a clip about him. Hey, Carl. Hey, Alan, my man. I got to show you something. Come here. Now, I've been working on this for almost a year. And I got an appointment this afternoon with your father to show him this. Go in. Take it. So what do you think? Do you think you'll like it? What is it? What is it? Man, this is the future. If I can get Will Chamberlain to wear them, I predict there'll be a pair of those in every closet in America. That's going to be the height of fashion. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Alan then proceeds to take the shoe and put it on like some type of conveyor belt, and it goes in it, like, it basically gets like destroyed. So Alan... You know, he didn't make two. He only made one. <laughs> yeah, David Ungar made one prototype, and uh, he, the fucking little kid destroyed it like the day before his big meeting with the boss. So that's like minutes yeah, before. Minutes before. Yeah, <laughs> like Robin Williams shouldn't have done that. But if you're David Ungar, what the fuck are you thinking? You're giving that to like the little boy near all this heavy equipment, and you're not paying attention to it. That's like your big ticket item, right? Yeah, and then it's also insinuated that um, that he loses his job over it. Because, and that's why he ends up becoming a police officer is because he... Oh, yeah, because the shoe fucks up the equipment. Yeah, and, you know, Alan's dad is not having that. He's not going to have someone working in his plant that is a screw-up. No. <laughs> I, so, do we, are we going to get into the, the dumb shit with the shoe later? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um. So the next, we talked about how it's a little weird. Like, Robin, Robin Williams' dad also plays an evil hunter that gets rolled into the world like somebody out robin williams rolls later and it says like this guy is going to come hunt you and this dude shows up and he looks like it reminds me of this old cartoon that used to be on looney tunes where there was this dorky british guy hunting an elephant or he was riding an elephant hunting something else oh, you know what i'm talking about the wild thornberries no. oh so they took <laughs> like 30 years before fucking wild okay Thornberry. sorry no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so he plays this like british hunter with this big silly uh flare musk like i don't even know what it's called it, it's a musket but it's like flares out at the barrel so i guess it's a shotgun it's like an elephant gun um, or is that what it is yeah I it's mean, a it's a big elephant gun it's like they're yeah they're using an elephant gun you don't want you don't want to use buckshot against an elephant you want a long barrel i i I don't know what it is all i know is that but to go back about like the hunter being alan's dad and the hunter, I, I think it is a play on like Alan's like relationship with his father. His it, like that's basically you know like his his dad was kind of a seemed like a terrible person and didn't really appreciate his son. And so I think like the hunter represents like his relationship with his dad, right? Um, and uh, the hunter comes and he he starts hunting Robin Williams for sport, and then like he loses his gun he runs out of ammo or something it's, this is one of my favorite scenes he like goes to the sporting goods store and he has all this gold and like the sporting goods store guy like closes the door and locks the place up and shows him all the good shit like like terminate like the movie terminator he like opens him up to all the good shit and like this hunter guy buys some new age like ak-47 some shit i don't know what it was it was some heavy powered 
Yeah, it was like a basically a silent silence, like a like not an AK forty seven, like even like much bigger gun than an AK forty seven. It was like a yeah, fully it, auto, fully auto, silenced, yeah. just yeah. badass looking Tommy gun thing. I don't know what it was, but it, it was awesome. Um, and there there's other scenes with the hunter that we'll, we'll listen to. Gotcha, girly. <laughs> when Alan hears of your predicament, he'll come. You know, he doesn't even know I'm here, so this isn't gonna work. Your plans ruined. I'm gonna get going. <laughs> Don't move or I'll blow your blinking brain out. Okay, oh, okay. Call the cops! That should do the trick to anything. Oh, yeah. Ah! Ah! There I'll it is. Blow your blinking brain oh, Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously they couldn't use the F word, but I think they could have gone with a different... There's a lot of alternates. There's a lot of alternates. Better than blinking. The, the, ah! one, thing I'll say, well, the one thing I'll say about it is, like, when they're... When they use the like little scanner to like they basically use a like a it's like a scanning gun they use it and they like put it like point it at the hunter's eyes and then it's, it comes up and it says like no sale and I just thought that was like the lamest like it that's was a dumb moment it was like, a that's dumb not gonna do anything to anybody like that, you're shining a little light in somebody's eyes yeah it, that whole that whole scene scene in the the grocery store wherever they're at like where the, they do a couple like home home alone like yeah tactics to kind of they, they put a bunch of like laundry detergent on the floor and then they use like some yeah. air compressor to like make it it was, it was a weird it was a really it's, bad scene it's very like this is for all the dumb kids that can't read and only read the search and find books it's like <laughs> we're just gonna spill shit on the floor we're gonna like zap him with like price check guns it's like it's stupid um you know and but yeah so they keep on rolling the dice and all this all this Shit happens in the town, and I think it, be- it eventually becomes mayhem in the town. Like people are dying, they're they're stampedes. They're like, but like the one thing you and like you've mentioned about continuing to play this game is like they're they didn't they don't know that if they complete the game that everything goes back to normal, right? They just know that the game's over. So the game gives them some sort of clue that with once you finish the game, everything will go back to normal. So okay. they. Yeah. They believe that's going to happen. But again, you're going on a lot of faith there. Like, you don't know exactly. Obviously, they don't know exactly what's going to happen. They didn't know they're going to go back in time like 27 years or whatever. Right. So, yeah, it's it's just, I don't know. It, they get deeper and deeper in this board game. And it just, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And, like, people are dying. People are getting, like, stabbed in the neck by those mosquito things. Their necks are bloating up and they can't breathe. And the fucking lion's out there biting fools, probably. And homeboy, you know, David Allen Greer's getting his cop car fucked up by rhinos and shit. And it's like, they're like, well, let's just keep playing the game. Like, they have, like, they have no social conscience. Yeah, it <laughs> it's really, the movie's kind of all over the place and when it comes to that. But... I think the idea is that it's supposed to like lead to mayhem and then like they finish the game. Uh, but what are some of your favorite dice rolls in, in the game? Like that's really what this movie's all based around is like the dice rolls. Rolling the dice. Um, you know, the, I, the first one that comes to mind is the lion just because the lion looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did. I don't know if that was like a animatronic. I think it was um, part animatronic because like the, they're – uh, but then it also like with CGI mixed in when it was like, running around, it was definitely CGI, but there was moments where I swear it wasn't CGI. It was like, it must've been an animatronic at times. And they, they, they just, I, I, they colored it really well. It had like these weird dark tones around its like uh, features. Mm. It had like, it looked like it was like almost where like a uh, guy liner or like Derek Carr eyes. Like they had like, like black lines around its eyes and its mouth and it just i don't know it just looked really badass it looked like this really kick-ass gothic lion and it was the first thing that came out of the board game it was like holy shit you have a fucking lion in your house like that's cause for concern much more than the the goddamn monkeys <laughs> that's true yeah uh oh oh there was the lion before Alan came out. Somebody must have rolled doubles because you get to go twice. So the three things that they decided to get rid of were the lions, excuse me, the lion, the monkeys, and the mosquitoes. Yes, that's true. So that's a little better than just the monkeys and the mosquitoes, I guess. Yeah. At least there's a fucking lion around, which well, is like, how do you fuck with the lion? I mean, you could go shoot it. Yeah. And when, when the lion comes out, that's when also Peter rolls a five and that releases Alan. So like two things happen at once. And like... Alan appears and I think kind of 
saves them from the lion. I don't know if that's true, but he he yeah, comes he back. Yeah, he like traps the lion in a toilet. Yeah, or in the back. Yeah, you know, one. I think one of my favorite. I the the roles in this game are really weird. This movie kind of. It's like Kristen Dunst's character and the other boy, they, they get the board game, they roll a couple times, Peter comes out, Bonnie Hunt enters, and like they play for a little bit, and then like all this stuff in the middle happens when they go to, the game gets stolen. I don't know if it gets stolen by a monkey or gets stolen by the yeah, hunter. Yeah, a monkey takes like, it, then it gets, yeah, then a bird takes it, and they yeah. gotta go get it from a bird in a fucking river, and the hunter has it at some point, and the but basically, then, like shit's always attacking them, or like the world is literally breaking in half underneath them. Like there's all these complications of why they can't just sit there and play their fucking board game. But there's like 35 minutes, 35, 40 minutes where like they aren't even playing the game, but they're just like trying to get the board game back. Um, and during this time is when Peter he needs to roll a 10 to win. And I guess he tries to cheat and roll a 10. And since oh, he cheats to roll like a 12 or something like that. And um and that's when he turns into into the into the monkey or into yeah he tries monkey. to like place the dice down so he gets a high roll so he can finish the game he doesn't like really roll mm. and uh bonnie hunt has this kind of funny line where she's like you tried to cheat and he's like no i tried to roll the dice so they'd land on 12 and she goes okay well that would be cheating <laughs> <laughs> that that was also a really weird scene too where then alan becomes like this father figure and like gets really mad at peter like it was really it was just really weird it was just yeah, like, like he's like you need to be a man you can't like cry when you got problems you need to stand up to your shit you know nobody was there for me it's like stop crying you know there, there's little bitches cry you know little bitches who can't read and choose picture books and the little boy is like <laughs> and then like alan's like Robin Williams like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. My dad was an asshole, so now I'm an asshole. Do you understand? And it was like, no, that's not it. My tail is sticking out of my ass, and it hurts. And, goes, oh. <laughs> and then, like, Robin Williams goes behind him, and it's this really creepy scene where he looks like he's about to, like, pull the kid's pants down, but instead he, like, rips his pants, and the tail pops out. Yes. Uh, it was a very... The, the 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 and then they get back into the house and they start rolling again. One of my favorite rolls is when Peter it, when uh, Alan rolls and it be, like the floor becomes quicksand and he like falls into it and he, like it's stuck in the middle of the floor. Quicksand or was it? Yeah, was it quicksand? I think it's quicksand. Like beware the floor on which you stand. The ground is quicker than the sand, so yeah. the floor turns into quick quicksand. Um, yeah, I thought the I thought the dice roll that gave the movie the most volume was the vines. Mm. So they roll something and it's like, I can't remember what it says, but it's like vines are going to grow and they're going to come get you essentially. Uh, yeah. All these, they grow all these much, big... they grow much faster than baboo. Take care or they'll come after you. And like, that's when the giant plants start taking over the house and like it's not that... just plants. It's like all these big jungle vines yeah. are ripping the house apart. Mm -hmm. They are grabbing people like these awesome Venus fly traps that shoot barbs at your neck are popping out of these vines and attacking you. And the vines continue to grow, continue to fuck up the plot and the house and their plans. So like the vines were, I thought, some of the most clever writing. They, you were able to, they were sentient. Yeah, they were sentient. We mentioned the stampede. Stampedes are always cool. Well, the stampede, <laughs> the stampede is what gets them out, gets, what's, is what gets them out of the house and like leads them to leave. And that's also like when the, the pelican, that's what happens. The pelican steals the board game and then flies away. That's when like they get out of the house and they get chased by the hunter and all that shit happens. You know, stampedes aren't respected enough for how fucking creepy and like violent and deadly they are. Yeah. I mean, this has Simba. Yeah, really? <laughs> That, um, but like but like stampedes are fucking brutal and like there's something there you know they didn't really do it in this movie it was just kind of like oh no move you know but like there's something really creepy and violent and aggressive about stampedes and you can relate it to, to real life people too because people people like um it's almost thanksgiving you know like the oh god thanksgiving day shopping like yeah. those fucking stampedes you're always seeing like women get trampled and they're like crying on the floor and they're like clutching their barbie or whatever but uh, a mob of people that is uncontrollable or a mob of anything is it's very scary i don't know where i was going with that uh, the one thing i'll say about the stampede i think is really funny because the stampede kind of comes and goes throughout the movie there's this it goes to the middle of town and like there's a stampede that's happening and like basically like the little kid almost gets killed like he gets into a car and like the stampede goes like over the traffic and like basically demolishes this car, but he like hides in like the 
the well of like the the driver's seat and he like gets smashed down. But something that's funny is that like there's one like rhino that's like really that's really slow and he's like it's like the the, the unathletic the rhino, fat, the, and fat he, rhino. The, the fat rhino and I always giggle when that happens. You giggle at the fat rhino huffing and puffing to keep up with the stampede. Yes, I thought I thought that was a nice. I thought it was funny. You know who else loved that is is the kids that couldn't read. Shut up. God. <laughs> uh, anyways, the the game finally end, ends when Allen rolls a three. He wins. Robin Williams says Jumanji, and then everything gets sucked back into the game. All the hunter, the stampede, the elephants, the I mean, dog-sized the, the, spiders with the giant fangs. Everything gets sucked back in. Everything goes back to normal. But the big twist, I mean, I guess I would say it's a twist, is that like it all goes back to normal to 1969. It's Alan and Judy as they were when they were 12. That's yeah. The rest is kind of history. They they live. They get married. They live happily ever after. It becomes that like hot tub time machine thing where if you you could actually go back in time 26 years, think of all the advantages you could have. Like you would you would know all the best stocks, you would know where to invest in real estate, you would know who's gonna win every Super Bowl. Like you you could just be you could be a billionaire in the course of a year, like like Biff in Back to the Future 2. Exactly. Well, let's get into the the this the this and that, the production history of that. We already talked about like the casting what ifs, but like, do you know any of these people, Adam? No, not particularly. Um, the screenplay was written by a guy named Jonathan Hinsley, and he did some movies I really like. Um, he d- he wrote Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm. Um, that's part three. That's the good one with uh, Sam Jackson. And he wrote Armageddon, which I don't like, which I think is pretty corny. He also wrote the 2004 version of The Punisher with Tom Jane, which I actually have always really liked. Um, check out The Punisher, you Marvel nerds. And... Uh, Oh, he was the director on The Punisher too, and mm. that that movie's really good. So this guy's got some talent, and he was an executive producer on Con Air, which obviously I love and Brennan likes. I want to go back to Die Hard with a Vengeance. You you say that's the good one. What do you mean by that? It's better than two. I mean, it's not part two. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not part two. Like, um, there's Die Hard. That's good. Die Hard Two's stupid, and then there's Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's good, and then all the other Die Hards are shit. We might need to do Die Hard with a Vengeance. I have like a very vivid memory of seeing that movie with my dad and I, I, I probably have only ever seen it once. Um, I've only ever seen it all the way through once actually, but, but it is good. Like, I think that movie's good. Um, and then the director, Joe Johnston, he did all the honey. I shrunk the, the kids movies. Um, he did the rocketeer, which Brennan loves. And we just talked about on a different podcast. He did October sky, which we also just talked about on a different podcast. <laughs> and he did Jurassic park three, which is shit. Um, and then he was an Academy Award winner for visual effects for his work on Raiders of the Lost Ark back in 1981. So fast forward 15 years and he's directing Jumanji. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, his He has a really weird um, directing history. He also directed Captain America, the first Avenger with, uh, you know, the basically the first MCU movie. But now he, but he's also, he's doing the reboot of um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and uh, Chronicles and Arnie movie. It, I, I don't think I've ever really heard of this guy. And he doesn't really have he has a really weird history so he's got one of those names that's forgettable i think joe yeah. johnston like it's it doesn't stick with you if you don't make a point to make it stick with you did you say the rocketeer yeah i did okay. i know you love the rocketeer i like the rocketeer a lot too i've i always <laughs> so i always get these i own these two houses in spokane and i always get these stupid cold calls and cold texts asking if i want to sell um, maybe you've gotten some of these. One time somebody texted me and he's like, what would it take for you to sell your house at 1111 Bismarck? And I was like, <laughs> I said something like, I want $1 million plus Jennifer Connelly from the Rocketeer circa 1991. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, he didn't, he didn't respond. Jennifer Connelly, easily the best part of that movie um, oh she's gorgeous i always tell everyone if like the, the the most beautiful woman i ever remember is jennifer conley 1991 in the rock tier she is just gorgeous very very much yeah i mean there's a yeah there's not much else to get in the production of this no that's it i mean it's we're, we're kind of near in the end you wanted to get to dumb shit. i want to get a dumb shit because there's a lot Play of the drop dumb shit yeah dumb shit um i mentioned cgi obviously going back today like if you're watching this movie today i think it's available streaming on some platform, Paramount or HBO, I don't know. Like I get them all mixed up now. But yeah, the the CGA is a little bit tough 
to get through now. Guess it was good at the time, as Adam said. What other? What, what's your what's you, your dumb shit? You say well, your dumb shit. You wanted shit. to say something about the shoes. Oh, the shoes. Yeah, let's get into the biggest dumb shit of this of this movie. The shoes. Watching this movie today, David Allen Greer presents these shoes to Alan, and they're basically is this is 1969. We are probably 15 years away from ever having a really cool basketball shoe at the time. Like it was Converse. That was it, and. He shows this shoe to Alan that's like basically a shoe from the mid '90s. Like, yeah, it totally looks like a shoe like we would wear in the '90s. It doesn't even look like a shoe, a basketball shoe from the '80s. It looks like a shoe from the '90s. It, it is. It just doesn't age well. Like, it does not look like. It just looks like a really terrible basketball shoe. It actually like looks like a shoe that my dad made me wear when I was in grade school, and I was like, why can't I just have some Air Jordans or some? cool basketball shoes, some Kobe's, anything. My dad made me wear these ugly ass Converse and not like the old school Converse. I'm not playing basketball on that, but like new school Converse that were just like, oh, they were so ugly. And I was a kid wearing Converse basketball shoes. And I'll, I'll never let, let my dad live that down because like I hate, I hated them. And I think he was just doing it to save money. But like, well, yeah, Jordans <laughs> were expensive. You shallow ass bitch. Hey, Dad, I'm not going to wear these Converse. you got to get me Air Jordans, you little privileged bitch. Okay. Like, you think you just deserve Jordans? Well, my brothers all got good basketball shoes. I had to wear... Yeah, you, that, was, that was later in life when yeah. your parents had made more money. You were the first. I still have never gotten Jordans, and I'm bitter about it, Adam. You can go buy Jordans today. I can't. I can't go buy Jordans today. Why not? Today. They're too They're expensive. Too expensive. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> so give Bill some credit. Yeah, but everybody you else. Every, you, got, every, you got shoes on a budget. I, okay? made, I made the varsity team in eighth grade. Oh, and God. You're just, like, this, you're just like that ugly kid that got beat up for being a rich shoe kid. Exactly. You, think you deserve all the best shoes. Had I like been, the kids had, on a budget come beat you up. Had I been wearing Air Jordans, I might have got a little playing time instead. You might have had one, more than one friend at your birthday. Anyways. These shoes were ugly. They didn't make any sense. I I understand what they were doing, but like, go watch the movie and you'll be like, what the fuck? It's, it's really weird. You're like, the way you look down your nose at people with lesser shoes than you is, is, is something to behold. I find that, I find that very, oh, it's not about now that you won't even buy Jordans. It's not about me. It's not about, I don't judge other people what they wear. It was me. I was ashamed of myself. Yeah. You were ashamed. Yes. You, you have, that's that's all what that's all childhood is about is having, keeping up with the Benjamins when you're an eight, eight year old, like, is you want to have what everyone else has. Like I I was a kid with Converse, like where all the cool kids were wearing Jordans or wearing Adidas. Like I was wearing ugly ass converse i was the only kid wearing converse my my, my parents also bought me backpacks from eddie bauer i had a monogrammed backpack from eddie bauer (laughs) monogram it had it said it said it said bbp on it and i probably i probably asked for that and you asked for a monogrammed eddie bauer backpack i'm pretty sure my mom pulled out an eddie bauer magazine and said hey which backpack did you want do you want i picked a tan backpack from eddie bauer and it had an option to monogram it looking back on that i shouldn't have got it monogrammed and i probably should just went and got a jan sport everybody had a jan sport you want to be basic yeah i had a fucking eddie bauer backpack so i'm upset about it you're still upset about it. You, I mean, you're bringing it up today. You're 37 years old and you're still thinking about it. Like that, you still carry that scar. It was rough. Adam, it was rough. Yeah, you had a rough childhood. <laughs> um, um, all right. Well, I'm sorry you didn't get the shoes you wanted and you really connect with that scene, I guess. Uh, I think the CG looked good for the time. You're right. It doesn't age. It did not age well. Um, I always talk about movie length. This movie is 104 minutes, which makes it just under an hour 45. And for a family four quadrant action adventure, I think that's fine. An hour 45 is fine. I, I'm not gonna not gonna get upset about that. This movie debuted at number one in the box office. So that's that's a testament to Robin Williams and the way the movie was marketed. And like it looked cool. The CG looked cool. I remember at the time seeing the previews, like, whoa, what is that? That's different, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, not the best rotten tomato score, only 55%. Um, that's, that's rotten. Actually. I think you need to be 60 to be fresh. You gotta be 70 to be fresh. You gotta be under, or, or under 50 is rotten, right? 
I think it's 60 actually. I think I think oh, 59 is, 60, yeah. is the is Oh, you're like, you're right. It's yeah, it, you're right. It's rotten. Anyway, so it's a rotten score and I don't think it's a rotten movie. I I don't know. I always like I to do you so you went with the reviewer's score and what 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 do you think the audience score is? Do you know it? I always go with the critic score oh, yeah, because you, criti- yeah. critics can read. Right. And the audience can't always as I've brought up a few times today. Yes. So let's see. So people that can't read, they like it when Kirsten Dunst shoves the no sale thing in the guy's eyes. They like it when people are slipping around. They like the slow fat rhino. So they're going to like it more than critics. I'm going to say 80. Nope, 62. So it's pretty in line with the critic score. I like I like looking at the critic scores to the audience score because if there's like a humongous discrepancy, uh, whatever, then I'm that's a big like what if like for example I'm looking at this right now another Robin Williams movie Hook, Rotten Tomato score twenty nine percent audience score seventy six when you see a score like that I'm like okay like the I the critics must be wrong or the critics must be just really really out to like get this movie because like Hook is not a twenty nine percent like it's not a twenty nine percent Hook's a half hour too long I'll say that that's true. And Rufio, God, he sucks. I hate Rufio in that movie. We'll get into Hook. We have not. I can't believe we haven't done Hook yet, but we'll do Hook eventually. You said this movie inspired Zathura. Zathura? Zathura? It's, How do you say it's it? It's it's Zathura. Um, okay. It is also a book that was written by uh, Chris Van Ellsberg. So when you say it's inspired by, it's literally like a. I don't know if it's a like. It's like an unofficial sequel. I would say like probably like a spiritual sequel. Spiritual successor. Spiritual successor, yeah, or spiritual sequel, whatever you want it's to call it. It's just the Dax Shepard space movie version of this. Yes. Yeah. It has like the same ending. It's like, oh, that's actually, he's actually full grown. He's been doing this his whole life. He's 26 years older than he is as a little boy. It has pretty much the same twist, in my opinion. I saw that coming a mile away because I, I'd seen Jumanji. Yeah. So, yeah, that was Jumanji. Ow! Yeah, go back and, and watch it. And uh, it's a good, It's a, I will say it's a fun movie to watch with family. Oh, it's good. Family I mean, I, and the like, show's not funny unless I'm talking shit. Oh, no, like I'm this. not saying that at all. Yeah, I know. I, I like I agree this movie, you. don't you? Yes. And it's available yeah. on Netflix. That's where it's available at, FYI. All right, give me your one out of 10 score for Jumanji. Oh, man, we're doing this now? Um, yeah. I'm going to say a seven. Yeah, I think a seven is good. Yeah, That's like, but I'm most of the time never going under a five. So, what do you mean? Like, I, I, I'm never gonna give a be too highly critical of, of movies. Movies are here to entertain you. Like, they're not they're not here to like change the world unless you're. Yeah, that I mean, there's some movies that want to so, change the so world. Something can't be lower than a five to you. So why don't you just have a one to five score if you if you if you're only using five to ten? Good point. On a one to five scale, I give this a three. Three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you know the what the the nothing is lower than a five. <laughs> Whenever guys talk about like their ex girlfriend's scores, like you'll they'll never you'll never hear them give lower than a five. I wouldn't know. No, Brennan Brennan famously doesn't have exes, and he's lucky for that. Uh, all my exes live in Texas. Um, not a, not a not a terrible country song, actually. Not a terrible no. Well, I I. We'll say Super 90s Brothers at Gmail, all spelled out at Super 90s Brothers on Instagram, at Spocast Pods on Instagram, adampitzler.com. Find us, email us, talk to us, whatever. For Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another dice throwing episode of Super 90s Bros, Jumanji style. And remember, if you're going to start something, you better be able to finish it, specifically a board game. You ruin the game when you quit early, and I fucking hate that. Jumanji. Peace. I swear to this song that I'll never make